Welcome to the Calvary Church Podcast. This is uh, my third time today. Got to spend uh, some time down at Cesar First Apostolic Church this morning with that good group of folks. In Brother Andrew Beavis's absence, he asked us to go and teach his class and uh, preach the worship service. So this is part three for me today. My voice is already showing it. But uh, so that means you're going to have to amen maybe for three people today. Would that be all right? John chapter 3, let's get to it. Verse 1, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God. For no man can do these miracles that thou doest, except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, or truly, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, there are people who uh, debate and argue about what it takes to be saved, what it takes to be converted to Christianity, what it takes to be made right in the sight of God, basically to reach the goal that we're all looking for, and that is to make it to heaven. How many want to make it to heaven someday? Jesus says here, very plainly, very plain language, what it takes. He says, except uh, a man be born again, he can't see the kingdom of God. Let's read on. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus said, no, 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 not, not physically, not be born again physically, but I mean something else. He said, verily or truly, I say to thee, except a man, he gets clearer here. He says, be born of water and of the Spirit. Notice a capital S on the word Spirit. Of course, we know that's talking about God's Spirit, right? Unless that happens, born again of the water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. At first, he told Nicodemus, you can't see the kingdom of God. And then he says, here, you can't enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, but that which is born of the spirit is spirit. They're two totally separate things. Marvel not that I said to you, you must be born again. I'll talk to you for a few minutes. I may end up teaching this instead of preaching whatever my voice and the Lord wants. But I want to talk to you from the point of a question. Have you been born again? Turn to somebody close enough to say that. Don't yell it, but real kindly ask them that question. Have you been born again? Now turn and ask somebody else that question. Let's pray one more time for God's will to be done. God, we know that you have a plan, a purpose, not just for this service, not just for this part of this service, but you have a plan, God, in detail, very intricate, well mapped out in your mind for what you want to happen, Jesus, from this point through the rest of the service in every life of every person that's here and every person who's watching online and who's going to do that. God, we just pray right now together. 
I don't know why I'm the only one asking you this, but God, I'm praying. Have your way in this house. Have your way, Jesus, in every life in this place and those who watch online. In Jesus' name we ask. And everybody said, amen. You may be seated. I'm going to read a lot of scripture tonight or today. I felt sorry for Brother Terry. Um, usually when I give him this many scriptures for a sermon, a message, or a Bible lesson, I, I usually add an apology, but I didn't do that. I thought, well, what's the point? He knows how I feel about him. Brother Terry is a fantastic young man who deserves a lot more praise and credit than what we give him. Would you join Brother Jeff and those that are standing and stand and give Brother Terry a prior a round of applause? He deserves it. Amen. And most of you know why that is. Let's go to the first one, Brother Terry. Acts 1 and verse 4 says, Being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem. But wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. And uh, Jesus was talking to his disciples here. Uh, it was very soon that he was to depart from them. He had been on earth approximately 33 and one-half years. The last approximate three-and-a-half years he had spent in a public ministry, preaching, teaching, working miracles, healing folks, ministering uh, as he came to earth to do. Uh, he had at this point in Acts chapter 1 already been to the cross, became the sacrifice for our sins, shed his blood to wash that sin away. And now he was bidding his uh, followers farewell. And one of the last things he wanted to reiterate and make so very important to them was what they were to do after he left so that the blood that he shed on the cross would not have been shed in vain. Because it takes that blood covering us and washing us to be saved. Some apostolics say amen. And so when you look at Acts chapter 1, uh, let's back up a couple of verses from reading what Jesus said. You read how Dr. Luke, Luke was the one that wrote the book of Acts, the same Luke that wrote the gospel of Luke, wrote the book of Acts, which the full name in most Bibles is printed out. That book is entitled The Acts of the Apostles. Verse 1 says, The former treatise have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach. And he's talking about the gospel of Luke that he had written. And here is part two of uh, what Jesus began to say and to do and actually what he was finishing up just before he left the planet. And the book of Acts tells us that what God did in flesh as he was upon the earth was to do great things, as I said a while ago. 
But in his departure speech, he talked to them about being endued with power from on high. In other words, we're moving from point A to point B. The last three and a half years was part one, and now we're moving to part two. I won't be here, but great things are in store. And then he told them, reminded them about receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost. Let's uh, read John chapter 3, verse 5 again for emphasis sake. Jesus said to Nicodemus, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So here as Jesus was saying goodbye, he assembled his disciples together. He commanded them, don't leave Jerusalem just yet. You're to go and preach, but don't leave yet because there's one thing that's left that's so very necessary that you need to do it, and that is the Holy Ghost. And so you move down to verse 8. He's closing his speech, and he says this. He said, you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost, everybody say Holy Ghost, is come upon you and you shall be witnesses for me. And then he lists the various places, first locally, Jerusalem, and then Judea, the area around Jerusalem, then branched out to Samaria, and he said eventually unto the uttermost parts of the world. And then he left. He started floating into the sky and was gone. Now, this rendition in Acts chapter 1 is not the only place in the New Testament that talks about this moment that gives us the words that Jesus said. There were three or four other writers there in the Gospels who gave us another version of this speech that Jesus gave. Let's go to another one. It's found in Luke 24. This is Luke's other writing in the New Testament, verse 49. Jesus says, Behold, I, I, I'm going to send a promise of my Father upon you. Tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. And then we find in John's gospel, I'm not going to take the time to read it for time's sake, but you go to chapters 14 and 15 and 16. The last several chapters of John are about the last week of Jesus and about his uh, trial and his betrayal at Gethsemane, his, his uh, crucifixion, his resurrection, and so forth. But, but these chapters, 14 and, and uh, 15 and 16, they record uh, several of the last things that Jesus taught his followers, his disciples. And I don't have time to read it all, but one of the things he taught them in John chapter 14 was the oneness of God. He taught them about the name of Jesus and being buried in that name. In uh, John chapter 14, verses 16 through 20, he talks to them about the necessity of receiving the Holy Ghost. He said, I will pray the Father. He shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. Let me read verse, uh, well, let's just read from there. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not. Neither knoweth him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and shall be in you. Then he says a very strange thing to them. He says, I, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. In other words, Jesus told them, I'm coming back. 
I'm leaving in physical form, but I'm coming back to you in a different way, in a different form, in a different manifestation. And the disciples at that point, I'm sure, really didn't understand very much about what he was saying. But Jesus was, was in essence, telling them that my physical being is going gonna, is gonna to be gone, but I will be for you a comforter in spirit form, and I will be in you the hope of glory, it says in one place. And then let's skip down to some of the writers of the New Testament. Let's go to the letter that Paul wrote the Romans, chapter 8 and verse 14. Every, uh, this is a letter that's written to saints. Everybody say, to the saints. Don't let anybody ever try to tell you that you can find out how to be saved completely and everything about it by going through the book of Romans. How many have heard of the Roman road to salvation? Some of you are familiar with that. It's not there. Guess what, folks? Rome, Romans, the book of Romans, written by the Apostle Paul, was written to people who were already saved. It's written to the saints. For as many as are led, verse 14, by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God, for you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you've received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. In another place, the Apostle Paul, laying a foundation of the word, said it to the Ephesians in Ephesians 1. He said, in whom, verse 13, ye also trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that you believed, everybody say after, you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance, until the redemption of the purchased possession, unto the praise of his glory." So an earnest is what? It's a down payment. It's just a small part of that which is to come in due time. And when you get the baptism of the Holy Ghost, that's exactly what is happening. You are getting just the tip of the iceberg of the eternal life that God has promised and is going to give us throughout eternity. In other words, Jesus was saying to them, uh, this is just a little bit compared to what I've got for you one day when we all get to heaven. It's just the earnest of your inheritance. Listen to me, folks. Every time we think about this, that we have overcome sin and Satan and the world and our flesh, we've done it through the power of the Holy Ghost. That's the only way it can happen. And when that happens, we've only gotten a foretaste of what is to come in the Lord. And it happened to us by His his spirit. That's why I'm glad today that I'm full of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. I've got it churning and burning in my soul this afternoon. I'm glad I've been baptized with the Spirit of God. I'm glad that I said yes to the Lord as just a 12-year-old boy and went and knelt at that altar, and I stayed there until God gloriously filled me with his presence. The Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. 
Let me tell you, the Holy Ghost is so important that long before the day of Pentecost, when it was first poured out, it was promised by Old Testament prophets. That's how important the Holy Ghost is. Let me read for you just one of those prophecies in Joel chapter 2, verse 28. It shall come to pass afterward. I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your old men shall dream dreams, your young men shall see visions. Upon the servants, upon the handmaids in those days will I pour out my spirit. And then Peter preaching on the day of Pentecost, the very first day of the brand new New Testament church, the birthday of this church that you and I get to belong to, the great body of Christ. When it all began, Peter referred to that same prophecy when he said, when he said, this is that that was prophesied by the prophet Joel. And then he quoted the verse that we just read a while ago. The Holy Ghost was so important that Jesus went away so we could have it. Have you ever thought about that? That's how important it is that you get the Holy Ghost and that you stay full of the Holy Ghost. Jesus said, here is how important it is. It can't come until I leave. So I'm going to leave so that it can come. Anything, let me tell you, that, that, that's powerful enough to make the Lord uh, leave this earth so it could come from heaven and, and me get it, then I want to get it if it's here for me. Praise God. I, I, I'm telling you, folks, the Holy Ghost is the New Testament standard for believing on God, for being a Christian, for being saved. When you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, he's got something for you that's a step further than you just mentally assenting with your mind, yes, I believe in God. I believe that he came to earth. I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sins so that I could be saved. There are so many people who repeat a prayer, something like that, and think that they're saved. That's just the first step. That's called repentance. That's called saying, I want to live for you, God. I want to be your kid. But you've got to go to the next step. When you believe, he says, I'm going to baptize you with something that's going to induce you to give you some power, and it's going to infuse you with something like you have never known, never had, never experienced before in your whole life. It's that great. It's that powerful. It's that wonderful. In fact, he said it's going to be like rivers of living water flowing through you. He called it the promise of the Father. And there's so many terms in the Bible we could refer to talking about the baptism of the Holy Ghost. In one place, it's called a gift. Peter said, receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Jesus spoke of it as a gift. I'm skipping all these, these scriptures for time's sake. The Bible says it's something we receive. We receive the Holy Ghost. It is a distinct and deliberate 
act. Uh, I could call somebody up here. Brother Sam, you just stay in your seat, but I could call you up here and pull a $20 bill out of my wallet. Say, Brother Sam, this is yours if you only will receive it. And if you just stood there and stared at me and didn't do a thing, didn't reach your hand out to me, I'm not going to fold it up and put it in your shirt pocket. For you to take possession of a gift that someone tries to give you, there's some effort you have to put forth on your part. You have to want it. You have to receive it. Amen. Somebody said, well, do I, do I really have to? Do I have to get the Holy Ghost to go to heaven? I cannot for the life of me. And, and I'm not the, the sharpest tool in the shed. I'm not the sharpest knife in the drawer in the kitchen, but I do understand this. A person who says, why would I, uh, do I have to have it? Why a person would say that places them in a category that lets me know immediately they're not operating with, with a full deck, spiritually speaking, according to their understanding of the Bible and spiritual things. It's not that I have to get it. That's really not the point. The point is I, I get to get it. I get to have a little bit of the God that created this whole thing, who put this whole universe together. I get to have a, a little bit of him living inside of me, in my body, in my soul, in my mind. I get to feel what that feels like. And if you've never had it, You've never felt it. Honey, let me tell you something. It's like nothing you'll ever feel anywhere else in this life. Acts 2.38. I hope you can quote it if you're apostolic here today. Then Peter said unto them, say it with me. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. He preached that. He preached that on the day of Pentecost after what happened in verse 4. Back up a few verses where it says, they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance or gave them the ability to do that. It is a supernatural experience. The word supernatural means above the natural, above, beyond, outside the realm of just physical science and what you can see or experience with your five senses. It is a spiritual experience. But the outward physical manifestation of what's going on on the inside when you receive the gift of the Holy Ghost is God taking control as you yield it to him of your voice, specifically your tongue, and you use that and your vocal cords to express whatever God flows through you in speaking, the Bible calls it, in other tongues. The word really means languages. 
when you receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, you will talk in tongues. Did every apostolic in here say amen? If you didn't, you see me tomorrow, we'll meet tomorrow afternoon here at the church and we'll have a Bible study. No, let's do it right now. Let's go to uh, Acts chapter 8, verse 12. When they believed Philip preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God, the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. So it says they believed. When they believed, they got baptized. Now, now how many believed that at that point that they had accepted Christ as their Savior? They got baptized. They obeyed the preaching of the evangelist Philip. So you, you believe if they got baptized that they had believed on the Lord, right? Okay, so we have it established. They had believed on Christ or they wouldn't have got baptized. A am I correct in that? So we got that established. Does anybody not understand that? They undoubtedly believed on the Lord. I'm going to prove to you believing is not enough. Verse 14, let's keep going. Now, when the apostles which were at Jerusalem heard about all that, that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent unto them Peter and John, who when they were come down, prayed for them that, what? They might receive the Holy Ghost. For as yet he was fallen upon none of them, the Holy Ghost, they haven't received it yet, only they had been baptized. Oh, how had they been baptized, by the way? In water, in the name of the Lord Jesus. So Peter and John laid their hands on them, and they received the Holy Ghost. Uh-oh! Uh-oh! When they believed and got baptized, they still didn't have the Holy Ghost. Well, that's, that's the way I read it. Now, now they, they didn't receive the Holy Spirit when they believed. Now, now, many people will tell you that when you believe on the Lord, that that is simultaneous and the same thing as receiving the Spirit, receiving the Holy Ghost, receiving the Holy Spirit. But that's not what it says here. They prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. Now, I don't care what you've been taught for 95 years. You better believe the Bible, my friend. In the next verse, it says they laid their hands on them. They received the Holy Ghost. But, Pastor, it doesn't say they spoke in tongues right there. Well, let's go a little bit further. Verse 18, and when Simon saw that through the laying on of the apostles' hands the Holy Ghost was given, he offered them money. Well, what did he see them do? I wonder what it was that, that made him think, uh, wow, I want that. And, and he offered them money so that he could do the same thing, so he could lay hands on people and them receiving the Holy Ghost. He had to have seen something different, something miraculous that he had never seen before in his life because he wanted it so bad, he offered them money for it. Let's go on, verse 19. Give me this power so that on whomsoever I lay my hands, they will receive the Holy Ghost. There had to be a physical manifestation when they got the Holy Ghost because he wanted to buy it. Let's go to Acts 10 and 44. You can't get out of the Bible. 
You've got to stay in the word of God. While Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word. They of the circumcision, that means the Jews, which believed, were astonished for as many as came with Peter, because on the Gentiles was poured out the Holy Ghost, for they heard, for they heard, what? How did they know they received the Holy Ghost? For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Let's go quick to Acts 19 and verse 1. It came to pass while Apollos was at Corinth. Paul was passing through the upper coast and came to Ephesus, finding certain disciples. He said unto them, Have you received the Holy Ghost since you, what? Believe. And they said unto him, we have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost, what do you mean by that? We don't know what that is. And he said unto them, unto what then were you baptized? How were you baptized? They said, with John's baptism, talking about John the Baptist. Then said Paul, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him which should come after him that is on Christ Jesus. And when they heard that, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came on them. And what? And they spake with tongues. In Acts 2, they spake with tongues when the Holy Ghost was poured out for the first time. In Acts 8, they spoke with tongues. In Acts 10, they spoke with tongues. In Acts 19, they spoke with tongues. The sign of receiving the Holy Ghost is you will begin to speak in a heavenly language as the Spirit, the Holy Ghost entering you, gives you the utterance or ability to do that. I'm glad that I've received the Holy Ghost today. And I'm glad it happened with the evidence of speaking in tongues. And everybody needs it. I said everybody needs it. I'm almost done. Back to Romans chapter 8, verse 9. This is so very important, folks. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now, now Paul here is getting pretty firm. He says, you are not in the flesh anymore, but you're walking in the Spirit if the Spirit's in you. And then he turns negative, and what does he say? Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. Let me tell you something, the Spirit of Christ, that phrase here isn't talking about something different from the Holy Spirit or just the Spirit with a capital S. They all are talking about the same thing. God is a spirit, and there's only one of him. There's only one spirit. If any man have not that spirit, he calls it here the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. That's Bible, folks. How many spirits of God are there? That's just one. Spirit of Christ, Spirit of God, it's all the same. If any man have not that spirit, he is none of his. God doesn't claim the person who doesn't have the spirit as his child. I didn't say God doesn't love them. I didn't say that God didn't die on the cross for them. I just said, they haven't, according to the Bible, become a family member.
until you receive the Holy Ghost. That's the Bible. One more verse, verse 10, and if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. Excuse me, two more verses. But if the spirit, this is it, of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken or make alive your mortal bodies. How? By the spirit that dwelleth in you. The spirit that dwelleth in you. Look here, the Bible says you've got to have the spirit, God's spirit. If that same spirit dwell in you, then it's going to make you alive at the sound of the trumpet. If you're still alive, uh, if you're dead in the grave, it's going to raise your body out of the earth and you are going to be resurrected just like Jesus was in the same way. But the only way it's going to happen is the same way he was resurrected, his dead body, by the Spirit of God, the Holy Ghost inside of you, the hope of glory. I don't see any other way around it. You've got to have the Holy Ghost to make the rapture. If you don't believe that and you leave this life, never believe in that. You and I are going to stand before God on Judgment Day, and He's going to point to me and say, I sent a preacher to tell you how important it was. Please don't say no to God today. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I didn't say it. The Bible said it. I didn't say it. Jesus said it. You must be. You have to be. You've got to be born again of the water. That's baptism in Jesus' name. And born again of the Spirit. You've got to have the Holy Ghost. God, I pray right now that not one soul under the sound of my voice will turn away from what they have heard from your word here today. I pray that nobody will reject it for any reason, for because of tradition or because it's different from what they've heard or been taught before or the church they went to at some point in the past didn't preach it this way. But I pray right now that everybody in this church building this afternoon and everybody watching online will say, Lord, fill me with your Holy Ghost. Fill me with it right now. I don't want to go one more day without it. Hallelujah. I'm going to open up this altar right now, and I want two kinds of people to come. First of all, I want those who have never received the Holy Ghost to come, and at the same time, I want those who have received it to come, to pray with those who need it, and to pray for those that you know who don't have it, who may not be here. Guess what? You're in one of those two groups, so have at it. If you think it's important, if the Holy Ghost means something to you, come on, let's go up. Let's come up to the altar and begin to talk to the Lord about it. Come on, somebody here needs the Holy Ghost. Don't, don't wait any, any longer. Don't wait another day. You can have it. That fiery Holy Ghost. It's that burning Thank you for listening to the Calvary Church Podcast. Calvary Church is located at 406 North 44th Street in Mount Vernon, Illinois. Service times are Sunday school at 1 p.m. every Sunday, except the last Sunday of each month, and worship service at 2 p.m. 
Also, we have an all-church service at 6.30 p.m. on Wednesday. Calvary Church is affiliated with the United Pentecostal Church International. Thank you, and have a blessed day.